Well met, friends. I'm Steph Midlock. And I'm Jude Vase. Welcome to Athrabeth, a podcast exploring the wily wizened wizards of Tolkien's Legendarium. Hello, Jude. Hello. How's everything going? You know. <laughs> uh, fine. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, the world's on fire and, Aye. you know, billionaires need to be eaten. I don't know. Yes. I never know how to answer that question when people ask me, how's it going? I'm like, I don't know. The world's uh, a, a fucking <laughs> clown show. Uh, yeah. What do you want me to say? Um, bad. I had some rice today. Oh, it was lovely. good. Yum. Yeah. Uh, well-prepared rice. rice. I tried. Ooh. Okay. This was actually good. Have you ever had congee? No. Okay. What's that? You should try it. It's rice porridge. Oh, yum. It's now is that a savory or a sweet? Savory porridge. So savory. you just nice, nice. You just you basically cook rice until it melts. Oh, nice. And then you add toppings and some stuff. Uh, we made it with pork, and you add and and like ginger and scallions, and then we put soft boiled eggs oh, and uh, so a little soy sauce on it to add mm-hmm. some salt to it. Woo! Fuck me sideways. It was good. Good <laughs> Lord. That sounds amazing. I guess that's not a very, those aren't very traditional toppings. Traditional toppings are things like uh, salt cured eggs, mm-hmm. um, goji berries for some reason, mm. ham hocks, all kinds of weird. It's, it's, it's a traditional Chinese comfort food. That sounds amazing. I asked Ivan what Ivan's favorite top thing to put in it was, and he said, uh, Our friend Ivan, for those of you who don't know, who is culinarily <laughs> adventurous. And yes. His, uh, his, his answer was, Thousand year eggs and sure. what was it? He said something else that was somehow even weirder than that. Um, <laughs> and I was like, cool, good note. Um, remember, I'm a white guy in Ohio. Uh, let's dial it back just like 2% and give me some <laughs> suggestions that I might be able to do. Sure. But it was super good. And we immediately like set about to find new things to do with it. But yeah, nice. if you're looking for some like comfort food, Highly recommend because it was super easy to do. It took like, I think Christine spent more time like making sure Nug didn't chop his fingers off chopping up the the green onions than she did actually preparing the meal. And (laughs) it was super, super tasty. And it was actually better the second day. It's one of those things like Indian food that actually got better in the fridge. Or chili. Or chili. Or soup. Yeah, exactly. You gotta leave it. it, Let it mature a little bit. Yeah. So. Well, that sounds amazing. So anyway, yeah, there's your culinary tips from Athrobeth. Make congee. It's super fucking easy to make and it's delicious. What a great thing to do of a day. That sounds amazing. On this this here Tuesday. Yeah. Um, I got to look at two very beautiful tapestries at work today from the date to like circa 1480. And they had lots of dogs and horses on them. They were like hunting scenes and there were lots of good boys and I really liked it. So nice. That was fun. Yeah, it was a good day. It was a good day. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're here. It's great to see your pretty face. Now yeah. I know on this, now our listeners cannot see your pretty face, but I can. I can. Would you like me to <laughs> exhausted, bedraggled <laughs> looking face? No, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. All right. Well, we've got many wobbly paths to tread, so let's begin.
Jude, what are we talking about in this fine episode? Wizards! It is not a magical wizard, dear listener, but a a wise person, right? Tolkien's wizards. Uh, We'll talk about that. The the degree to which Tolkien's wizards are magical or not is actually, I think, one of the more interesting things about Tolkien's wizards. Okay. Christopher's got some thoughts on that, too, so that'll be good. Oh, good. Well, I've been looking forward to it. So, yeah, take us take us into, lead us into the, the cooling waters of the wizards. So, what the fuck is a wizard in Tolkien's Legendarium? They have a very long history. The Gandalf figure is one of the older figures in Tolkien's Legendarium. He shows up in the, in the Lord of the Rings, but the idea of the wizards is pretty old goes back pretty far. Um, the Unfinished Tales, things like that. The Silmarillion. But I think the idea of the wizards and the idea of the Maiar descending into the world and guiding men is a really interesting one that Tolkien obviously is very interested in as, as a pretty formative piece of the history of mm. Middle-earth. So we'll we'll get into that. Yeah. But I think let's start with what the fuck what the fuck's a wizard? Sure. Because I'm gonna get on the hobby horse here a little bit. One of my favorite things about when you when you approach Tolkien from the angle of, hey, guess what? Tolkien started modern fantasy, and people will be like, Well, actually, no, well, yeah, shut the fuck up. So many of the tropes of modern fantasy, even if they might have existed prior to Tolkien, whatever they were before passed through the Tolkien gate mm. to, to enter modern fantasy is, I think, a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Orcs, elves, wizards, so many of these tropes of modern fantasy fiction. But unlike so many of these other examples where Tolkien establishes the prototype for what these things are, the image that he builds of Gandalf the wizard certainly sets the prototype for what we think of when we think of wizards. But what we think of as a wizard is not at all. Gandalf is basically just a cranky old man that has been around forever and is just sick of everybody's bullshit (laughs) and is just determined to fucking get this job done so he can go die finally. Oh, stop it. I mean, I'm being so pessimistic. Jeez. It's I'm being a little reductive, but like he is not the image of like, you know, fireball. Like, right. He's he's not not Merlin, right? He's not like, yeah. Yeah. He's not Merlin, but even he's not like the classic image of like a cartoon or a D and D wizard that you get, even though so many of those images are based on Gandalf Mm -hmm. or are not based, but are, are, heavily influenced sure, by sure. Gandalf. My point, I guess, is just that I, guess, I think it's super interesting that unlike orcs or elves or uh, any of these other tropes that Tolkien has such an enormous influence over, wizards are one where the truth of what Tolkien wrote is often very different than the trope that people associate with it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what, it, what that truth is. The wizards, the... Heren Istarian, to give the Quenya name. The Order of the Wizards. The Order of the Wizards is a group of five Maiar. Maya. Steph, would you like to uh, <laughs> tell us what the Maya are? Sure, just to remind Since- if, listeners, if you're not if you're not aware or you have forgotten, the 
Mayar or singular the Maya, a Maya is a spirit who came down to Arda, right? The world uh, with the Valar. They're a lesser order. They're like junior Valar. They're they are a lesser order of power often associated with the Valar. You will often he- hear something like, uh, for example, Sauron was one of, um, oh God, where, what's his Melkor? name? With the Morgoth? No. No, with the the rocks and the and the dwarves. Owlay. Thank you. <laughs> Sauron was one of Owlay's people before he fell to to Morgoth's influence. Mm. And but you will often hear Maiar referred to as who they are associated. They are one of such and such people. Sure. Uh, they are often associated with one of the powers. Okay, that makes perfect sense. These five were selected and sent into the world to get some stuff done. <laughs> they definitely had a very specific kind of thing that they had to do. Yeah, they Their were purpose. they were more yeah, they they were punted into the world to oppose Sauron more sure. or less. Can I read the the quote from the Silmarillion that kind of sums up Please do. That's I think that's a great sure. idea. Sure. So just I think their purpose is really nicely summed up in the Silmarillion. It says, but afterwards it was said among the elves that they were messengers sent by the lords of the West to contest the power of Sauron if he should arise again and to move elves and men and all living things of goodwill to valiant deeds. So that's nice. So like, they, yeah. yeah, so they had like, they had things they had to do. Yeah. I think it's one of the things that I think is really interesting about them is that as a general rule, they're fucking failures. No, that's not totally true. Not everybody. It's kind of true. No, it's not. It's not true at all. Okay, so um, we had a fight. Hit. At least uh, at roughly 50% generously, depending on when we're to- which writings of Tolkien we're talking about when it comes to the Blue Wizards, are failures. Okay. Well, let's not, don't, yeah, don't get into that. Well, we'll yeah. get there. I th- I th- so perhaps the thing But I do, my, my point I'm that, making here right. people is that opinions. this is, <laughs> well, well, I think it's interesting that these were enormously powerful mm-hmm. in the scheme of things. Theoretically, these are creatures that should be able to oppose Sauron toe-to-toe right, right. from a celestial standpoint mm-hmm. who take on the raiment of men and oppose him in this incredibly difficult, this exhausting, long, difficult task mm-hmm. with fairly dubious results on an individual scale. Like, obviously, they, they fucking get it done. Thanks, Gandalf. Big ups. But it's a, it's a, rough, it's a rough thing they've agreed to do. And it's uh, not easy. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here a little bit. So the group is known as the Istari mm-hmm. in Quenya. Or the Ithrin, which is an interesting word, Ithrin, in Sindarin. Mm-hmm. You have a note here that I'm supposed to tell you what that means in Quenya. Yeah. So, well, I thought that's kind of your deal, right? Like he loves, he's a lover of language. Perhaps he can. I believe. Titillate us. I believe. Let's see if I can if I can get gloss this word without looking it up. I believe it means. I believe Ista means to know in Quenya. Mm-hmm. So let's see if I'm correct. Okay. Yes, I am correct. Woo-hoo. Yes. Yes. Ista, the root Ista means to know. So Istar is one who knows. Okay. Um, Istar, 
the R suffix is the a gentle suffix in Quenya. Ooh. So estar is one who knows and estari is the plural, those so who like know. So like wise folks, <laughs> people who know stuff. That's really cool. That works perfectly with wizard. Yeah. The term wizard. Yeah. In the in the oldest context, this is going back to like the old like Norse northern epic sense of of wizard is as or wise as someone who knows things. Yeah. Yeah. So a good yeah. question is like where, dear listener, if you want to find more about wizards in Tolkien's Legendarium, Jude kind of touched on this a little bit already. But of course, you know, in the main text, we've got the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. You can check out Appendix B. There's lots of some, well, there's a bit of information in there. There's a little bit more in the Silmarillion. After the Akalabeth, right? Or where is it? It's somewhere in there. There's a chapter of the yeah. Rings of Power and the Third Age. And that's got uh, a little bits and bobs. And then there's a lot in the Unfinished Tales in Part 4, Section 2, called the Astari. And of course, this is edited by Christopher Tolkien. Um, so I got a yeah. lot of my information from the Unfinished Tales, but it's there's also, yeah, and then also in the History of Middle-Earth, which is the 12th volume, oh, the 12th volume of that, The Peoples of Middle-Earth, there's more in there. So, but yeah. I think it's important to note, just like with all of Tolkien's stuff, that different versions of his writing, different jottings, different, there's, there's going to be yeah. a lot of, you know, discrepancies in... Like everything, the order Partic that they came and what they blah and what they did and blah de yeah. blue. But we're going to try our best to kind of give you um, some good bits of information. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly with regards to the blue wizards mm -hmm. and Gandalf. Sauron's deal is pretty, I mean, he kind of sticks to yeah. it more or less. True. He th That's pretty standard. And the others we'll talk about when we get there. Okay. But let's. Let's do that. And, Let's well, talk let me, about the... Let me, just to like, just before we get into it, I think a really, so just, just getting back to the order of the wizards, I think the coolest, one of the coolest things I read in the Unfinished Tales was that, so it mentions that the total number of members of the order is unknown, right? So only, so five of them were chosen, sorry, well, <laughs> three were chosen and five came to come to Middle Earth, but there could be mm. like so many more in the Blessed Realm. And now I'm like, oh, I need some fan fiction about all the other wizards. I just think that could be cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that was a quote that I did not know until you, you pointed that out yeah. that had sort of like gone past me. But that's fascinating that. Yeah. What what the fuck else are they doing? I know. I know. Our editor, James, was like, I don't want fan fiction of that. That's boring because they're, they're in the Blessed Realm. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> That's James. That's very good. <laughs> but I was like, I know, but they could go. I don't know. Whatever. I still think it could be cool. Like, what are, what are, the, what are those wizards up to? I don't know. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the history of them then. In, in The in-world history of them, Let's shall we say. Yeah. Let's start there. So there are five members, five as you mentioned. Them, yeah. They were thought of as men, mm -hmm. but there were a very small number of people in the world that knew who they really were, primarily Elrond, Círdan, Galadriel, basically the real old and wise and powerful elf folk, the ring bearers. Yeah, you, uh, listener, even the even the most um, casual of fan will know Elrond and Galadriel. And then uh, you may remember Círdan from our episode that we did last month with all about Linden. Círdan was sort of the last uh, master of the Grey Havens. And so he, he, yeah. he saw ships coming and going uh, in the Third Age. And he's like, that's weird. Some humans just sailed in from the fucking blessed realm. 
That's fucking strange. There were five of them. Let's talk about them. In no particular order, mm-hmm. the first one we have is Kuromo, mm-hmm. a Maya of Aule. Remember, Aule is the Valar who who was like the Earth guy, right? Yeah, he like who was the maker. Yeah, yeah. This he would later take the name Sodoman or Kurunir. We've talked in the past about the folly of makers yes. and Saruman's role in that, and uh, I think I think the fact that. He is a Maya of Aule, the OG maker yeah. after... After Arrow after, himself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, after Arrow himself, himself, I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Saruman's elf name, Kurunir, means man of craft to the elves. Yeah. Pretty cool. A maker, yeah. The second is Olorin, a uh, Maya of Manway and Varda. This is Gandalf. A couple of interesting things about Gandalf. He was... A favorite of Nienna's. I think that's cool. Yeah. And he, he was with her, right? Yeah. And he was soups reluctant. Uh, it's not that he didn't hold, want to hold come. Hold on, hold on. Just really quick. Just again. So Nienna was the Valar who was all about empathy and pity and um uh feeling for people, right? She would cry not for herself, but like for everybody else. And so yeah. it's said that she taught uh Oloren or Gandalf like empathy and pity and uh and, and we see that, and a lot of his wisdom, and a lot of his uh, compassion. Yeah, yeah. So, so Nienna, what an Gandalf. interesting person for for him to hang out with because she was such a loner, right, way out there in the west of of the Blessed Realm, the Gray Maiden, yeah. as she is referred to at times. Yeah. Okay. So um, sorry, I interrupted you. So all right, keep going. But I just think it's interesting that uh, one of the things that is noted about Gandalf is that he was very much reluctant to come. He was regarded as the wisest of them by several of those who met them, not by Saruman. It should be well, noted. Sar- yeah, Saruman was always considered sort of the head of the order, but it was Círdan who recognized that Oloran was actually the coolest. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's interesting that he was very reluctant to take up this task. Yeah, and let's table that and we'll talk about Gandalf and and what is that exact point. Let's we'll t- talk about it a little later on when we get into like the meat and potatoes of these guys. But who is who is our next person on our list? That is Iwindel, mm-hmm. a Maya of Yavanna, of Yavanna being the Valar of growing stuff, uh-huh. specifically trees and stuff like that, but also beasts the non-talking beasts. You know this Maya a little bit better as Radagast, uh, <laughs> the poop-covered one. Oh, stop. Radagast the brown. Radagast <sighs> is a Numenorean term I read that means tender of beasts, or at least that's what the Unfinished Tale said, I think, or someone. Covered in dope. Oh, the Hobbit films committed a great number of yes. sins, but perhaps the greatest was the tragic slander that it committed against our boy Radagast. Yeah, he was, that, that was so insufferable. I mean, listen, they I don't want to done him like they done him dirty in that, yeah, in that film. Literally in so many ways. <laughs> oh my. Oh dear. The last two uh, are always referred to in, mm-hmm. as a pair. Alatar and Palando. They were the Meyer of Orme, the, the hunter discoverer of the elves. Yes. They were known as the Ithrin Luwin, the Blue Ooh. Wizards. But there's we don't know a whole lot about yes, them. Yes, they're very mysterious. Except for the fact that we don't know a lot about them. Like, most of what we know about them is how little we know about them, <laughs> which sounds counterintuitive. 
but there's this great quote mm. in Letter 211 Ooh. that I adore. This is one of my favorite quotes of all time. Letter 211 is to Rona Beer, B-E-A-R-E, mm-hmm. answering a series of 11 questions she had asked about the legendarium for a meeting of enthusiasts. Ooh, when was it written? It was written in 1958. Ooh, lovely. Okay. So this quote is fantastic. It says, I really do not know anything clearly about the other two wizards since they do not concern the history of the North, West. I think they went as emissaries to distant regions, East and South, far out of Numenorean range. Missionaries to enemy-occupied lands, as it were. What success they had, I do not know. But I fear that they failed, as Saruman did, though doubtless in different ways, and I suspect they were found they were founders or beginners of distant cults and magic traditions that outlasted the fall of Sauron. What's Ooh. interesting to me about this quote is he says, I really do not know anything clearly about the other two. He he expands on this quote in in other place uh, a little bit later in the letter. He, the way he talks about it is that it's as if he hasn't discovered what yeah. they're doing. It's not that he hasn't written it. The 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 tone of the letter is very much like I haven't read, I haven't discovered that yet. I haven't uncovered that yet. <laughs> it's not, let me put it this way. If you had asked that question of Brandon Sanderson, he would have said something like noted author. Not not well, yeah, who has a a a, a tr- uh he's a science fiction author. And when he when you ask him questions that are relevant to the plot, he'll reply like RAFO, read and find out. Or he'll give some vague answer that tells you, like, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Instead, Tolkien is saying, "I don't really know. Right? I haven't. I haven't. Just, I haven't. It hasn't been revealed to me That's yet." That's so cool. The idea of Tolkien, the framing device of Tolkien as translator mm-hmm. and discoverer of these stories. There are times when it very much feels like that was how Tolkien felt about this stuff himself as much as it was a framing device. And I love this quote because it really does emphasize that. Later, it should be noted, Tolkien revised that statement Mm -hmm. so that they were not failures, so that in point of fact, they were successful in basically causing trouble for Saruman in the East and in the South, so that uh, Saruman was occupied with what work they were doing out there, and he had less resources to bring to bear in the West. That's really cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's great. I love that. That's, I feel like that's, that's nice. Yeah. And I love the idea that like, were the blue wizards out like chopping it up with the Avari, (laughs) you know, like the original OG elves, these blue wizards hanging out with the OG elves, like just causing Sauron all kinds of trouble out there. Far, 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 far out in the East. I think that's dope. Yeah, it is. It is really, really, really cool. It just makes, I really, as, I mean, you've written here, where's that fan fiction? I agree. Like, I want lots of blue wizards. The blue wizards are so, like, evocative and, like, with their beautiful sea blue robes. Like, I want to know everything about them. And I want to know everything about their secret cults and magic traditions that outlasted the fall of Sauron. Oh, my God, that's so cool. Anyway. Right? I want to know more. Very cool. All right, the All right. date that they come to Middle Earth. So they're definitely third age babies, these these five these five folks. But 
so the Unfinished Tales gives a year of Third Age 1000 for them entering Middle Earth, but the date really depends on your source. I think it changes. So take that with a grain of salt, if you will. And as Jude said already, you know, they came, they took on the guise of old men. And when they first showed up, you know, they really didn't share that what their powers were or their purpose. How much must that have sucked? That you spent your entire embodied existence. I'm 40 and I'm already (laughs) sick of how much it sucks to be old and like creaky meat is such a terrible substrate oh boy. for existence. Can you imagine spending thousands of years in an old man's body? Like I can just imagine Gandalf, like after like the eighth time he has to get up to pee in the middle of the night <laughs> being just like, this is such a fucking garbage deal. Couldn't they have made me young enough to like get through the whole night without a crick in my back or like, <laughs> I know it. I know Why it. Why an old man? I know. Because because they needed to be wise and like, you know, it's it's very much like our own look, culture. You know, we tend to equate, you know, well, maybe not with the boomers now. <laughs> that's a so Yeah, I was going to say boomers ruined that one. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, yeah, people it's tended to construct. listen to their elders back in the old days. So making them old was part of that, I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, they didn't bummer deal for Gandalf, right? They so of course they aged very, very, very slowly, and they didn't die. So men, men, as Jude already said, men thought they were men, and then they sort of, when they didn't die, they were like, okay, well maybe they're elves, right? But no matter what, they basically feared and and loved them, uh, which I think is kind of neat. There's a really mm-hmm. nice description of the wizards in the unfinished tales that talks about it. Sort of, it starts with like the Valar sending them. To Middle Earth, and so I thought I would read it. For with the consent of Eru, they sent members of their own high order, but clad in the bodies as of men, real and not feigned, but subject to the fears and pains and weariness of Earth, able to hunger and thirst and be slain. Though because of their noble spirits they did not die, and aged only by the cares and labors of many long years. And then it goes on to say that these guys, these these Maya were forbidden from quote revealing themselves in forms of majesty or to seek to rule the wills of men or elves by open display of power, but coming in shapes weak and humble were bidden to advise and persuade men and elves to good and to seek to unite in love and understanding all those whom Sauron, should he come again, would endeavor to dominate and corrupt. And again, that's from the Unfinished Tales. That's amazing! What a beautiful... Yeah, those are good. Those are really good quotes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so what they're saying is, so they, they came to... So even though they're like immortal sort of baby gods uh, themselves, they, you know, they had hunger and thirst and they... You know, they were tired and they had, like Jude said, they had aches and pains, right? They were, and I wonder if if they had all these things to, like, help them understand the plight of elves and men, right? To make mm-hmm. them, so they had to humble themselves. So the whole thing is, they were going to, they these were, like, beings of immense power, right? In the same way that Sauron was, but they came in these, like, yeah, in these itty-bitty... Right? Weak, living, <laughs> humble, like, yeah, the Aladdin quote, that's amazing. To, to like, be humble and to, like, seek only to, like, to do good and to unite. That's amazing. And I think that's a really tall order to ask of them, you know? 
I don't know. This strikes me right away. I, I just think that's really cool. And I think, I think it also understanding that quote, hearing that quote from the unfinished tales for me really opened my eyes to like how bad Saruman fucked up. Cause we all know that he fucked up and he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Right. But like when you hear yeah. that beautiful you know, thing about them coming to seek to unite in love and understanding. Like, holy shit, he 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 went way off in left field. So I don't know. Yeah. I like it. It's interesting. Yeah, it's in. Yeah, it's said that certainly. So we were talking about how the various wizards blew it, depending <laughs> on which source you you read. And so the blue wizards either started up some cults or. We're successful, so let's put them aside for the moment. Sure. And then you have Radagast, mm-hmm. of whom it is said that he basically was too, like, into nature to, like, do anything. He spent basically all his time focused on the natural world to actually, like, fucking be useful. This That is a very interesting point, and it is something that Christopher Tolkien discusses in The Unfinished Tales a little bit in that Istari chapter. Because here's the thing. Like, we have learned already that... Radagast was a Maya of Yavanna. So your brain immediately goes, okay, well, birds and beasts, that's really cool. Okay, so obviously that makes sense. But we also know, and what Christopher points out is that we we know from Tolkien's writings that Radagast failed in his, whatever he was meant to do, he didn't do it because he got so like, quote unquote, enamored with the birds and the beasts. So it's, so yeah. even though he was Yovana's man, like he wasn't really supposed to be Mr. Mr. Dr. Doolittle, but he just did that on his own. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's he, interesting that it, it matches up, but it doesn't quite work, right? Well, yeah, because his goal, his job was not to protect the animals. It was to oppose Sauron. Right, right. And he spent all his time splinting mouse legs and, <laughs> uh, you know, taking care of baby birds <laughs> and whatever Whatever Radagast right. does. But you can make the point, though, that, like, I think, I don't remember if it's Christopher or, so, or someone else who makes the point of, like, well, maybe Radagast felt that animals could also be part of the fight, right? So part of, like, mm. men and elves and also, so maybe he his perp- he tried to fulfill his purpose by rallying, like, the creatures of the forest, right? If you're playing Valheim, <laughs> the creatures of the forest are restless. I don't know, but, I, yeah, Jude's making a face. I know. I, I, under, I totally get it. It is flimsy. <laughs> yeah, no, I think in support of Radagast. Uh, yeah, I no, I'm, I mean, I think I think Radagast's failure is pretty. Yeah, is pretty clean cut. Yeah, it's um, true. Less, it's it's less. It's not a corruption. It is simply a failure. It was whereas a preoccupation. Sauron, he got whereas Saruman is straight up corrupted. Yeah. No, by his despair. He is corrupted by despair. It's not that he is like, I'm evil. No, he he goes there with good intentions and he sets up to like do the job he sent there for. But it's long, dankless work. And he gets out there. And one of the things that Saruman does early on is find a Palantir in the Tower of Orthanc. And Gandalf is like, you probably shouldn't use that. And Saruman's like, I'm Soup's wise and I'm in charge here. So fuck off. Yeah. Gray pants. <laughs> and um, he's not unlike crazy Mick Tomato Eater uh, over in Gondor. Well, sure. If you want to give him a I name, <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like crazy Mick Tomato Eater is probably going to more immediately 
remind people of who I'm thinking about than the word Denethor, oh, but you do you. <laughs> um, the idea of making these people, through the use of the, of the Palantir, believe that things are dramatically worse than they might actually yeah. be and pouring despair into them to the point where they think that there's no hope mm-hmm. left. And for Denethor, that means that he's going to light his still-living son on fire and then chuck himself off a, off a, a, a ledge. Uh, and for Saruman, Ooh. that means that he believes that the only way to survive, the only way to not even survive, the only path forward uh-huh. is to join well, for Sauron. I mean, you're, yeah, that's a, that's a version of it. Like in the Unfinished Tales, it's much more like not, it's not romanticized like that. It's literally, it says like, he fell from his high errand, became proud and impatient and enamored of power and sought to have his own will by force and to oust Sauron, right? He was ensnared by that dark spirit mightier than he, like, it doesn't really say any. It doesn't give you any of that in the unfinished tales, and that's and that's totally fine. No. That's not what the unfinished tales are for. Yeah. But I think I think like I think you're giving him. I think you're giving him like I'm glad you're saying that part of it. But I do also think he was just kind of a dick, man. No. Yeah. Saruman's totes a dick. <laughs> but I think it's interesting that like I do like the parallel between Saruman and Denethor. Yeah, it's true. And I do like. I do like the idea of, I think the degrees and ways in which the, the wizards fail and the idea of Radagast fails by not engaging with his mission mm-hmm. and Saruman fails through despair and the the blue wizards either succeed or fail by joining up. I don't know. It's not clear what exactly it is that they're doing yeah, out there. I, I think, I think no one, well, obviously no one knows. I think they're like, maybe some think that they were captured by Sauron and, you know, might be like yeah. turned or, or could just be in prison somewhere. Maybe they died. I mean, no one, no one really knows, but basically yeah, they failed by, like... by leaving you on red, you know, like they're, they gone. <laughs> they gone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They out. They dropped the mic and they are gone. Yeah, it's it's yeah, that's very that's very interesting. Can I tell you something that I think is really interesting in the unfinished tales? So I so I think it's important to point out how these how these folks came to Middle Earth. Um because oh, I, yeah. I, I, I like think that's I, I think it's pretty much like the same in every book in some way, but like they might say it a little bit differently. But I think with knowing the Amazon show that's coming and like people's weird theories about people in meteors, I think we should just say that at least the unfinished tale says for they came from over the sea out of the uttermost West, though this was long known only to Kyrdon guardian of the third ring master of the great havens who saw their landings upon the Western shores. So they came by boat. Uh, nah, mm, what? What? You got a problem? It, Tell me. It says. Tell me. It says that Kirdan witnessed their landing on the western shores. <gasps> it doesn't oh, say. Oh fuck you! <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't say that it but, saw. He saw their arrival in the but harbor. He was the harbor master. It, no. I'm just okay, saying fine. that You're we right. have a scene. I'm so mad. We have a scene no, of Kirdan. Or no, that, that's not Kirdan, is that? That's um, that's Gilgalad. Mm-hmm. We have that shot in the trailer of Gilgalad looking right. up as something streaks overhead. Right. But that can't be because Gilgalad was already dead right? It was already Deadsville's. If Kirdan yes. was still, yes. and it was already the master of the thing. 
Gilgalad would well, be yeah, super, and, super and dead. The, the wizards arrived in the third age, which is right. like well after the show is is shot. So okay, so so maybe shut up, and, Stephanie. And, but I don't know. I just no. But people people have been saying that like Meteor Man is a wizard, and it, it, strictly speaking, that that can't Paper be the case. Burp. But but I I don't know. Let's put aside the meteor okay, man. Okay, put thing. aside the meteor. Everybody, get off the high horse about the meteor man. All right, he's a rocket man. I'm so confused by the meteor man thing. I don't I know, understand what is going on with the meteor man. <laughs> there is no precedent for it, and nothing oh. in nothing Ooh. in what we understand about what they are allowed to he's do so fired up. with the show explains what the fuck balls is going on with meteor man. I don't. If you, I don't understand. If you listener are listening to this in the future and you already know who Meter Man is, please give us a bit of grace because we don't know and have to wait many months until we find out and we're mad about it. But I think it's important to know that they came through the Grey Havens. Okay. Yes, in theory, yes, they they sailed in through from the west through the Grey Havens, and Kirdon was like, "That's fucking yeah. weird." You're. Ooh, ooh. You're a guy coming in from the, the west. Thing. I'm waving my hands because I got excited. The other thing that I think is cool that I have realized upon reading all of these different sources is like the order in which they came is different. And the order in the Unfinished Tales is, if I can remember correctly, is that Saruman came first, right? He was super mm-hmm. noble. He had like raven hair. He was dressed in white. He was great. Blah, blah, blah. He was like everyone. He was regarded by everybody as the head of the order. Then, so remember, this is Unfinished tale. So Saruman first. Then our little blue wizard boys, Alatar and Palandro came. Then Radagast yep. came. And then lastly, Gandalf came. Now, this is very different than lots of other sources, but what I really like about the Unfinished Tales is that he came last, he was like kind of shorter than the other guys, he was he really seemed like to Kirdan as like the least of the bunch, right? At first, just by physically looking at him, he was more diminutive than the rest, right? He looked older, he was like gray, he was leaning on this staff, but that didn't fool Kirdan. Kirdan knew immediately that he was the wisest and the greatest of all of them. And that is yeah. what prompted Kirdan to give Gandalf, can I say it now, the third ring, yeah. Narya the Red, which is very cool. So yeah. this is the third ring of the three el- three rings were given to the elves. Well, one of them <laughs> went to Gandalf, which is very cool. Spoiler alert. Yeah. And there's some lovely quotes in the Unfinished Tales where it, Kirdan basically he gave him the ring, uh, quote, for your aid and comfort, saying that it that the ring ought to be Quote, in nobler hands than mine that may wield it for the kindling of all hearts to courage, which I think is like such a fucking beautiful quote. But but here but here's the thing, like that order is super different because another source says that the blue wizards came like way before the other guys and blah da blue. But I just I, I don't know, I kind of like the order in the unfinished tales. I don't know. What what what's your opinion on yeah. it? What do you think? I think it's interesting. I I do like the idea of Gandalf being the most unassuming initially. I I think it's interesting that in all of them, Saruman is an early arrival that sort of shows up and 
goes out and makes a name yeah, for himself. Yeah, I also want to say we didn't talk about we've sort of been going like back and forth with our descriptions of all these guys. We probably could have organized it better, but that doesn't matter because we're in the middle of the episode, so too bad. But if we back up back to the blessed realm, the Valar only originally wanted three of these of these people to go, right? So Saruman and Oloran, um, uh, sorry, Gandalf, and then Alatar, one of the blue wizards. Okay, those are the three. And then Yavanna, right, wife of Aule, begged Saruman to please bring Radagast with him. Okay, so I think that's interesting, and and I think it, I, and I, it's important to say because it. Here's the thing: it's another Tolkienism where these stories don't totally match up because Saruman agreed to bring him, but then he does show up alone. So whatever. But, and then I think it's also funny that Al- uh, Alatar, right? One of the blue wizards was like, well, I got to bring my friend Palandra with me. And I would like to think that they're maybe boyfriends or something. I like it. Whatever. I'm sticking to it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that tracks. I like it. I think it's, in- I also think it's interesting that the first three are picked with like missions. Right. And then Yavanna shows up and is like, well, how about one for the nature? And then everybody's like, you really blew it. You didn't do anything to stop Sauron. And Radagast is like, we were stopping Sauron? <laughs> or we were stopping Sauron? I thought I was here for the, for like, for the woodchucks. But, I mean, he didn't and, even think he was there for the woodchucks. Remember, he did know that he had a purpose, but he just found the woodchucks no, but I, I, and was like, oh, fuck, I'm, this I'm, is amazing. Yeah, I, I I mean, I think it's, I'm, I'm sort of being facetious, yeah, sure. but I think it's interesting that like, I, I you know, Yavanna picks, sends one of her people over yeah. there, and he immediately does what exactly what you would expect one of her, you know, yeah. one of her folk to do. Oh, yeah. In her tradition, because he, I mean, does what you know in the same way that she creates the the ants yeah. to to oppose the dwarves. She she's always been very focused on the natural world as opposed to the people that right. live in it. Remember, in the beginning of uh, the Silmarillion we learn that um, Yavanna is one of two Valar that after like they all fucked off and left middle earth and went to the blessed realm and, and founded it. She was one of two that would go back and visit and like check on her things. It was her and um, who's the God of the sea. Who's that guy? Whatever his name is. Uh, Daddy mermaid. Ulmo. I'm going to call him daddy mermaid. Ulmo. Ulmo. Anyway, so yeah, I just, I th- I don't know. So, you know, and and Christopher Tolkien in The Unfinished Tales makes the interesting point that like, yeah, just what you said, Jude, these three were chosen specifically for their personalities and their, and, and like the power that, that the Valar, their Valar saw in them, right? But then these other two were sort of yeah. added at the end. So it's, I don't know. I think that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, there's, you know, here's the thing, like a lot of these wizards, you know, like the blue ones around, there's not like a ton to say about them, but there is a lot to say. I I think we should talk just a little bit about Gandalf and who he was. Yeah, agreed. I really like, so in the Unfinished Tales, it said, warm and eager was his spirit and it was enhanced by the ring Narya, for he was the capital enemy of Sauron opposing the fire that devours and wastes with the fire that kindles and suckers in one hope and distress but his joy and his swift wrath are veiled in garments gray as ash so that only those that knew him well glimpse the flame that was within 
I think that's really sweet. And it goes on to say, oh, nice. whilst he yeah. was a very merry person and kindly, he was very like kindly to the young and the simple. He was also, I know, I was like, oh God, are they? <laughs> I was like, oh Pippin, oh no, <laughs> the young and the simple. Uh, he was also quick. He was very quick witted and sharp too, right? Like we know that as well. But it yeah. said that he was not proud and sought neither power or praise. And uh, because of that, he was yeah. very, like, beloved by people who were also themselves not terribly proud. Like, so I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of neat. That's yeah. really cool. I think it's also worth, I mean, it, it, we could do a whole episode about I Gandalf. Know. And I think we should at some yes. point. Um, one thing I think it's really interesting is the much hay has been made of the connections that Tolkien created between depictions of Odin and other sort of medieval and ancient wandering wise mm-hmm. men figures and Gandalf. And I think it's really interesting. That's a really interesting thing that I don't have a point so much as I want to call out that like a lot of the depictions of Gandalf have a lineage with these depictions of the wandering wise man that is actually supernatural in some way. That's a great point, Jude, because one of the points that it makes is that he never called one place home, but that he wandered all ass over the place. (laughs) He went everywhere. He went, he went South, he went East, but he came, well, he didn't really go super far East, but like he, he went all around the West and there he gathered like all these friends as he went. And I think that's, yeah, I think you're exact. That's very cool. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, there are lots of, lots of sort of variations on a theme of this, of this like wandering, traveling man in gray. The Grey Pilgrim, as he is sometimes yeah, called. Yeah, Mithrandir, right? The Grey Pilgrim. Now, I wanna, I'm glad you said that because I wanted to say, I can't believe I didn't know what fucking Gandalf means. It means, it, it was this was this was a word from the men of the north, so I, I assume the rangers of the north or, you know, the Dunedain or whatever. But it means the elf of the wand, and that's because he would walk leaning on that walking stick. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't know what Gandalf meant. I never looked it up. I never thought well, to think. I just thought it was a name. I didn't realize it was actually a... I don't actually know this for 100%, but I suspect that this is shenanigans. No! Shenanigans? Why? Tell because... Me. Well, I'll tell, tell you me. why. Because Gandalf mm-hmm. was not the first name for that character. Oh, shit. What? What's the first mm-hmm. name? I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess it was Squiggy McGraypants. Was it? So okay, no. nope, nothing. Uh, nope. Okay. No, not Squiggy McGrapins. Oh, You're no fun. Uh, <laughs> the early versions of the Hobbit, the name for the character of Gandalf was Bloodorthan. Oh, oh my. Bloodorthan, yes. eh? And really rolls the name, off the tongue, said no one. Yeah. And Gandalf was the name given to the character that would come to be known as Thorin. Oh shit. Mr. Openshield be- himself. Okay. And that's because Gandalf is uh, one of the dwarves from the Volspa oh. or the Voluspa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does mean cane elf. So the elf of the wand, similar etymology mm-hmm. there or like origin, but it, he sort of like back translated it to be, to give it a, a, a meaning within Middle Earth mm-hmm. that it, that that worked, but he apparently didn't like Bloodorthan, and he ganked Gandalf for the wizard, uh, and that's why Thorin is the only one of the 
dwarves in The Hobbit that doesn't have a Edda dwarf okay. name. Oh, interesting. Interesting. All mm-hmm. right. Well, I, I still think it's cool. I mean, he had a lot of names. He had a lot of names. Everyone had a, right, Stormcrow. I think if anybody here watched a little while ago, there was like a, I don't know what it was, some kind of Zoom meeting with like Sean Astin and the Nerd of the Rings and Don Marshall, friend of our show, Don Marshall. Um, And they talked about, oh my God, why am I telling this story? Holy shit. My brain just... Oh my god! Oh, they were they had one of the one of the trivia questions they asked they asked was like, can you name all of like Gandalf's monikers? Anyway, what is it? Bloodbath, blood f- blood fart, <laughs> bloodorthin, <laughs> not blood farts. <laughs> That's Yikes. disgusting. Okay, well he okay. So just to get back on on Gandalf a little bit again, as as we've said, like yes, we could certainly do an entire episode on him. So we we can we don't have to we don't have to say everything about him. But early in this episode, you said something which was that Gandalf didn't super want to come, right? And and I think yeah. you're right. I think we should I think we should talk about that a little bit because it's it's important. And I think there's philosophical yeah. you know strings we can pull from that. So. So yeah, the the thing yeah. was, yeah, they were chosen, right? And when Manway chose our boy uh, Oloran, as he's known back, you know, in, in the Blessed Realm in Valinor, he basically said like, "Oh, I'm I'm like too weak and I'm too scared to, uh, of Sauron to like to do this, right?" Which it, that's an interesting thing. He was being very yeah. humble from the very beginning. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. I think it's interesting that like, yeah, he is reluctant to come. Mm-hmm because he doesn't feel equal to the task. And he's more importantly, he, he, he's afraid of Sauron. It's interesting that of all the characters we see that face the temptation of the ring in the Lord of the Rings, his is kind of understated where he's just like, "Mm, nah, right. I don't think he's ever tempted by the power. I think that unlike say Saruman or Galadriel, that is not why he's reluctant to come. Is it's, I don't think it's he's afraid of being tempted by a fall. I think he just genuinely doesn't feel equal to the task and is afraid of falling short of the responsibility. And, that, and, and what's interesting here is that then Manway responds and says, that's like all the more reason for you to go. And I think yeah. that's like a really beautiful thing right there. Manway, is like, Manway puts all of his... Um, faith in Gandalf and says like, no, no, you, you're the one you got to do this. And and the whole point is that they, they say like, you know, they have to go and like humble themselves. Right. And like that, that's the most there's there. He's like the most wonderful, humble of all of them. And of course was the one that actually got the job done in the end. It's, it's it's true. I think that's, I mean, and I think uh, something I, I wanted to bring up is this, this idea that like that they chose, to come. So they were they were sort of like nominated, right, by Aule and by um Orame and by Manway and, and um and Varda, but they did they they accepted and they said yes and they they made this sacrifice of leaving their like beloved home of their own free will. Or I don't know if you want to say free will, but like they they I I th- you know, it's yeah. interesting that Gandalf like wants he misses it and he wants so badly to go back home to the blessed realm because that's where he wants to be that's like you know that's that's his yeah. place and but he he gave he made this like ultimate sacrifice to come for forever and 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 do this like really shitty job basically right i don't know there's there's something really beautiful in that 
The last little thing I wanted just to talk about was Gandalf's mm-hmm. magic or lack thereof. Right. We talked, I talked earlier uh, at the top of the episode about the dichotomy between the perception of wizards, the trope of wizards that is sort of how it was influenced by the Lord of the Rings and the wizards in the Tolkien, by Tolkien's wizards, as opposed to like orcs or elves or whatever, which are very much based on Tolkien's depiction. Yeah. Whereas with wizards, Gandalf's magic and Saruman's magic is extraordinarily mundane and subtle. Mm -hmm. The most like egregious piece of magic he does is like barring a door. Yes. Yes. And I think that's really interesting that that's what makes them wizards is not that they are Maiar. The fact that they are Maiar, they are incredibly long lived. That's not what makes them wizards. It's not their magic that makes them wizards. They have a task Mm -hmm. and they have a dedication to that task. And their primary skill set for that task is compassion in theory theory. is, is compassion and knowing what will be required of Mm -hmm. them. And they have a little bit of extra wisdom, but like, sure. Saruman is like, Ooh, whiz bang steam engines and, and doodly da progress. But like Gandalf doesn't give a shit. Gandalf's like his wisdom is all in knowing people yeah. and knowing history. He's wise, but his wisdom is often shit like hobbits are fucking solid dudes. And I know a guy up north, he'll keep an eye on mm-hmm. you. And like, or like follow your his nose, wis- right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His wisdom, his like, the wisdom that is the backbone of his wizardry is often super like, you know, it's basically what it boils down to is just like, I've been here so goddamn long and I I can't die. So I've just done everything. I've seen everything. I have a really tremendous confidence in my ability in in what we're in what I'm doing here. And I know that it's necessary. Okay. He, the actual magic he does is so limited. Well, I think this is really interesting. We can, can, I mean, here, here, here's my take on it. I think, th- I think that like capital M magician, like that kind of like moons and stars hat wearing magician, right? That's that's certainly when you look at it from that point of view. Like, yeah, yeah, you're right. He doesn't really he doesn't do that. But I think like I feel like his magic comes from. As you said already, like knowing people, he knows beca- because he, I think maybe because he studied with Niena, right? The Valar of, of empathy and compassion. He can like look in, he can like understand the hearts of people better than they can understand themselves. So he knows mm. like Frodo and Bilbo are amazing and are going to do, you know, are the right people for these jobs. He knows that like freaking Theoden is is you know is being corrupted or whatever he like he because he studies sort of the human and elven condition if you will like because he yeah. spent all that time making friends and traveling and 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 because he was predisposed he was chosen I think he was chosen because of his capacity for compassion that's mad I think that's magical and maybe that's like frou-frou like kind of thing no, but I, I think, think it that's, is too I but think I think that's it's... his magic for frankly but yeah, and but I think my point is that that's a a different kind of magic than the wizard yeah, trope. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. The, Even the, Tolkien says that that they are distinct yeah. from like the magicians of later legend is what he says. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. 
I th- and I think that's a great yeah. point, though, because I think that is something that you will hear from more casual f- fans or people that have seen the movie a few times, like, oh, the wizards were lame. They didn't even do any spells. Right. Well, okay, that's fine. But that you're you're looking at them through the wrong the wrong guise of wizard, right? They are wise man. Yeah. They are of wisdom, not of like, yeah, abracadabra magic. It's re- it is really yep. interesting. There are a couple of really excellent papers that that um, I can recommend if you're kind of interested. Because, you know, one thing we didn't really talk on was the voice of Saruman, which I think, you know, if we're talking about magic, I think there is some magic in that. Uh, there's, a, there's a paper by Jay Rude called The Voice of Saruman, Wizards and Rhetoric in the Two Towers. There's another, this is from Mythlore. This was volume 28, number three, that came out on April 15th, 2010, if you're interested. There's another paper called Saruman as Sophist, or Sophist Foil, Tolkien's Wizards and the Ethics of Persuasion. And that is by Chad Chrisholm. I hope I said your name right, Chad. I'm sorry. And that one came out in uh, April 17th of 2019 in Myth Lore, volume 37, number two. And I think both of those kind of talk about like, you know, the wizards as orators and that there's magic in in their very words. Uh, so I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I think there's there's so much. I mean, that is the thing. We're already like beyond our time and like there's so much to talk about with them. They are fascinating yeah. and multifaceted and. I don't know. There's definitely more to say about wizards. I definitely think this is a topic we want to drill deeper into. Yeah. This is definitely a an introductory episode, not a comprehensive Yeah, one. I think you're right. And like listeners, let us know. Like hop on Discord. I know we're terrible at replying. Sorry, Platy Man. We love you. But hop on Twitter. Hop on Discord. And tell us like what you love about the wizards and who your favorite is. We want to know. Now, Jude, because it feels like we're wrapping up a bit, right, Jude? Okay, yes. well, before yes. we wrap up, I have to give you a quiz, Okay. Oh, this boy. quiz is is basically I'm going to you're going to answer four easy questions and I'm going to tell you which wizard you are. OK. All right. Question okay. one. Question one. And listeners play along at home and let me know who you get or whatever. OK. Now, question one. All right, Jude. And this is like a BuzzFeed quiz. OK, so it's it's insipid and dumb. How would you describe your style to me? A, you're fun and flirty. You always dress to impress. <laughs> And can you please tell the audience what what shirt you're wearing right now? Uh, I am wearing a shirt with a hole that I can get my thumb in. <laughs> in the middle of his from, chest. Uh, yeah, right right through there. Uh, from, God, what is this? Where's this shirt from? This is a- It's very um, on brand for you. I can see. Uh, it says big death energy yeah. on it. <laughs> and I have worn this shirt to, to death. Uh, I feel like I should give this- shirt proper credit since literally uh seven of the ten shirts that I void merch. All right. Thank you. Uh like five of the six shirts I wear on the uh, on with any regularity are are from void merch. All so right. uh go throw some money at uh Dread Singles and uh buy some void what merch. A good shirts. plug. All right. So A was fun and flirty. You always dress to impress. B is classy and subdued. You use your clothes to blend in with folks. C is adventurous and risky. You use your fashion to make a statement and draw others into your mysterious inner circle. Or D, covered in pet hair like you just don't care. Uh, Yeah, that one. Okay. All right. Question two. Which K-pop band archetype are you? 
So listeners, this is Korean pop. Every band has different. The members fall into a few set archetypes. Okay, now there's a bunch. So I'm going to go through really quick. So A, leader, you can lead a horse to water and you can make a drink. Everyone looks to you for guidance and wisdom. B, vocalist, you have a powerful voice and you know how to use it. C, visual, or Stephanie's added the pretty boy. You're sexy and you know it. D, dancer, you have the best moves. You march to the beat of your own drum. E, the rapper, you're just so cool, man. Wiki, wiki. And uh, where are we? F, the magne, or like the baby, or jailbait as it's known. You are a baby. (laughs) You are a baby. You're small. Simple as that. You're a smoldering baby, and everyone loves you. Uh, I'm going to go with vocalist. Uh, I have many podcasts uh, <laughs> over time, and I feel like that fits the most appropriate. Yes. Okay, cool. Next question. What breakfast cereal best fits you? A, are you grape nuts? You are mature, and you mean business. I mean, and who even eats these? Are you B, Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries? It's fun. People like it, but it's going to scrape the shit out of the top of your mouth if you're not careful. C, muesli. You know, D's nuts and seeds. (laughs) (laughs) Or D, Pop-Tarts. Fuck cereal. I do what I want. Uh, I guess Pop-Tarts, since my go-to Fruity Pebbles isn't on that list. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Last question. This is the one I'm not sure about, so everyone just please be nice to me. Which 90s pop song are you? A, Losing My Religion by R.E.M. (laughs) That's you in the spotlight, losing your religion. Okay. Yeah. B. I could picture that video. I know. A little too much pop-up video so for me. Good. In, I know. In you little period. babies. We Jude and I are eighties babies, so you you may not even know. Uh, okay. B. Ba-doop. I want it that way by the Backstreet Boys. Am I? Pass. Your fire. Your one desire. Okay. I'm not going to engage with that that particular song, but I will say that it is not the best Backstreet Boys song. So oh God, is that even in? Was that out in the '90s or am I in the 2000s? Oh my God, I hope I'm. No, that's shit. That's a '90s song. All right, song. good. C. Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton because you need to <laughs> undo this hurt you caused when you walked out the door and walked out of my life. It's gonna be some really good. Uh, clip. James is going to get some really good clips from this. <laughs> I'm episode. so sorry, listeners. And D, you can't touch this by MC Hammer. Look in my eyes, man. You can't touch this. And honestly, uh, we wouldn't want to. A. Okay. Let me see which one that was. Oh shit. Okay. 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 Do you want to know what your answer is? Yes. You are. I'm going to read the caption first, and then you can just see if you know which wizard it is. You're a go-getter. You follow your dreams. You know what you want, and you make waves getting there. Sure, it might not be a good place to go. And sure, you might be forgoing your life's purpose to get there, but whatever. It's your thing, so let your freak flag fly. That is... Did I get fucking ragged? No, that's Saruman! Okay. All right, I'm all right with that. First, I get there. I thought I got Radagast with the you know, let your freak flag yeah. fly. Um, nah, you're Saruman. I'm okay. Yeah, Saruman is the least surprising answer. I think I could have gotten there. Yeah, so I'm alright with that. I I will read you the Radagast one if you had got you because you were actually quite close to getting Radagast. You were teetering, <laughs> and Radagast is you are a TM little weirdo. You're kind of a mess, but we love you. 
You have a soft spot for animals and birds, and sometimes you make questionable choices. You like to do your own thing, and that makes you kind of cool. Just stay downwind from me. It's because of the pet hair. Exactly. I answer. Yep. If I hadn't answered the pet hair, I'd have been in a different one. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for See, taking my quiz. I appreciate it. That's it. I mean, that's yeah. it. That's a lot. There was a lot to unpack here. Um, thank you so much, Jude, for yes. bringing uh, for for all the work that you did on this and to. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for doing the actual work <laughs> no, on no, this. No. I showed up addled and confused and mostly just pontificating. Hey, just like a wizard. You were perfect. The road may go ever on and on, but this episode is over. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on (laughs) iTunes as it helps increase our visibility. You can find us on the web at podcast.atherbeth.com. You can find the show on Twitter, the hell site, and Instagram, the marginally less hell site, at atherbeth underscore cast. I can be found at June. Steph can be found at the North Four. Title music ah. is Lord of the Devil Rings by Pony Music, courtesy of Pond 5. Ah. Neither of us know what this music sounds like. Ah. Uh, additional music and sound effects licensed by Soundstripe, which can be found at soundstripe.com. Atherbeth is produced by our long-suffering editor, James Pearson. And my long-suffering husband. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. What were we even talking about before that? I don't remember. Oh, there's a cat butt on the camera. <laughs> a, oh, Lord. No. Why? Oh, God. No, I will not look in the eye of Sauron. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> Gross.